0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good to be together. Great to see everybody. Just, uh, I tell you what, every time we get together, I feel like we should take a moment, just give somebody a hug, and Rosalie Rex, so good to have you back after surgery, and uh, just great to gather today. Hope you're doing well, and uh, if you're a guest with us today, I know we have, um, folks are still coming back from COVID, but also, hopefully, every week we have a couple people who may not have a church home who are just checking us out. And if that's you today, we just want to say a special welcome to you. You are making our day. And our hope is that if you don't have a church home, you feel the love of Christ and you just want to hang out with us, journey with us in your faith journey. uh, You may be thinking, what kind of church are you? We are, love to sum it up in five ways. We are a Christ-centered church, Bible-based church. The Word of God is our our foundation and what we follow and so every week we'll be uh, we dig into scripture as our really our guide we are a love-fueled church it's the love of christ that unites us and and uh, motivates us we're a spirit-filled church it's the holy spirit that animates all that happens and we follow his lead and he's our uh, comforter teacher and all these things and then we're a, a church that's unified around our mission and when jesus left he left us a very clear mission of making disciples, which we say is helping one another become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And when you get a a church family, a group of people who are just to the best of their ability, we're not perfect, but making progress, becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus, we say you get an outpost of heaven on earth. And one of the marks of heaven is what? Inexpressible joy. Joy that is not tied to circumstances and it's a joy that accentuates all the other joys of life like barbecue and summertime and what else uh the opportunity to possibly be Aaron Bickle in cornhole and dips ice cream with the uh, melting on a piece of homemade apple pie which I understand Rachel Humphrey did you enter your apple pie today You got to get a piece of that, but uh, so all that, and as we come to celebrate Summerfest today, it's really just a celebration of the life we have in Christ, and hope that everyone can can, uh, stay. If you're a guest with us, we'll buy lunch. We have food trucks out there, and uh, just a special time to to celebrate as a a church family. But before we enjoy some good cooking for lunch, we have some filet mignon for the soul here in Colossians chapter 3. One of the frustrations that I feel every Sunday, and especially as we're working our way through Colossians, is there is more. uh, I I have to leave so much delicious truth in the refrigerator every Sunday as as we come and and put what's on the plate. As we talk about the the truth that's here. And so, one of my goals, just so you know, is not to. I can't explain everything in the short time we have or share with you all the the delicious truth that God has put before us, but I hope it makes you hungry or creates a craving to go back into whatever truth we're covering and dig into it throughout the week and just crave that so that we might grow up, continue to grow up to be more like Christ. This idea of growing up to be like Christ as we lock in on Him is one of the great truths of Christianity, and it raises the question, how do we become more like Him? The, the transformation process that's happening. I love the picture that God is not about the modification of our soul. It's not like we're an old car that, he, that pulls into the, you know, the shop and he changes the hubcaps on us. His intention is to transform us to the very core of, of who we are, new soul, new, new creations in Christ. But how does this happen is the question. And one of the dangers as we seek to follow Christ is we begin to rely on our own abilities, our own wisdom, our own methods, human traditions. Uh, and all of a sudden, rather than relying on Christ, we're re- relying on ourselves. This was the very issue that one of the members in this young church in Colossae, Epaphras, went and found Paul in prison in Rome, knocking on his door saying, hey, we've got people teaching. You got to do this, got to do that to become like Christ. What, what do I, I do about this? And that's why Paul, one of the, the primary reasons Paul wrote this letter, and sent it back with to uh, to this church family last week. Appreciated Tyson taking us into the heart of this in Colossians chapter two verse eight. Paul says, Be, "See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ." Fast forward to verse 16 of chapter 2. He says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or what you drink or with regard to religious festival and new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. Uh, and then moves through the, to the end of the chapter, where, which is really a, a summary, where he says, verse 23, such regulations indeed have the appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any sensual or any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So what's he saying here to to these people and the application to us is if we're relying on ourselves, on human traditions, human methods, human wisdom to become like Christ, it's we will struggle. It, Flat out doesn't work. One, there's no power in that. He says these lack power to actually change us. Two, they create an environment, a, a greenhouse for pride. All of a sudden, we're relying on ourselves and we're looking at, look what I did or my method. Or um, Rather than humility, knowing it is Christ alone who, who will work this transformation in our hearts. It's crazy. I, I was thinking this week how easily, even in my own heart, My pursuit of becoming like Christ can become a subtle form of self-help narcissism. You go to a bookstore, what's the biggest section in the bookstore? Self-help. And all of a sudden, like even as I seek to become like Christ, it's become about that process of becoming like Christ rather than about Him and about me and about how I look. And all of a sudden, a, a, a subtle narcissism pride forms around this very beautiful pursuit and, and the primary pursuit of life of becoming like Christ. Have you felt that? It, it was happening to this church. They're like, you, you need to do my Bible study, or you got to read this book, or it's, it's about this, you know, way of raising your kids, or, you know, and all of a sudden, it's, it's about us <laughs> rather than Christ say, Okay, but how do we become like Christ then? How does this happen? And the text we're going to get into today just brings us back to the sweet, locked-in, sweet simplicity of how the sanctification process works. It's a Christ-centered sanctification or a Christ-centered journey of becoming like him. And it, it, it's no surprise, but, but really at the core of it, it's by keeping our eyes on Jesus, right? Fixing our eyes on him. That we see there in verse 1, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. We'll read through verse 5 and then break it down. But verse 1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, co-raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So how do we become like Christ? First, it's by fixing our eyes on this core truth or seeing this as the uh, just a primary reality in our lives. I have been raised with Christ. The truth, I have been raised with Christ. It's there in verse 1. He says, "Since then, you have been raised with Christ. When we, when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, and if you haven't put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ today, His invitation is open to you today. But for those of us who have, as I look out, I think, see, most of us are are trusting Him. A, a beautiful reality happened, and that is, we were so united with Him." That when he died, we died with him. When he was raised, we were raised with him. And when he ascended to heaven, we ascended with him, seated at the right hand of God. We have been raised with Christ. Now, I can hear someone thinking, John, you're, uh, I know I will be raised. But, but that's not what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, guys, as you think about your life, you have been raised. This is your identity right now. And I can hear someone else saying, John, this is crazy talk. How can I be raised when I'm sitting right here, bodies in this this chair? (laughs) And I hear that. I understand that. And what God is helping us see here is the faith walk. There is an unseen reality that is just as real as what we're experiencing here in the physical realm. And it is this. It is our spiritual union with Christ through faith in what He did for us on the cross. This union is why Christ came. This union is the the gospel. (laughs) It's, It's that we are one with Him through faith in Him. It's this union with Christ that forms the reason and the motivation to become like Christ. Does that make sense? It's seeing us with Him that drives this sanctification journey and that will transform us. The power is understanding and seeing. I am one with Him, fixing our eyes by faith on this reality. That will drive becoming like Christ. Does that make sense? The... uh, Now, our union, he fleshes this out a little bit more in this text, where our union has a past, present, and future implication. Verses three and four, he says, for you died with Christ. This means when Christ died, we died with him, and and that means that we died to our sin nature. We died to the penalty of sin, but also the power of sin. Our old self is dead. Now, now I hope that you let that bring some hope, but We we talked about that a couple weeks ago when we were in Romans 6 that fleshes us out. We are dead to sin. When sin says jump, when we still have that old sin nature, but when it says jump, we don't have to because we died with sin. But he goes on, he says, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. This is the present application of the fact that we've been raised with him. Your life, my life, is secure in Christ. Today, guys, I I hope that brings you comfort. No one can touch your life. They can kill you. They can't touch your life. It's hidden in Christ. And When he uses the word hidden, I think he's getting at something he'll, he'll share in just a moment. Who we really are, our life, the world can't see it right now. Your glory, I think about when Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Have you inherited the earth yet if you're meek? (laughs) <laughs> no your life is hidden right now now, now we want to be uh, pride tempts us to make a name and be somebody and but but that's our life isn't down here our life is hidden in christ present application future application verse 4 he says when christ who is your life appears then you will also appear with him in glory and this is that uh, picture of uh, the coming of Christ. When he appears, that's when we will, sh- we will see his glory, we will share in his glory, and that's when our life will appear. Christ, I, I love it how he says, Christ who is your life. And you think about what's that mean, Christ is your life? Well, he's the source of our life. But you know how sometimes people say right now, hey, hey what... A- uh, uh, picture uh this isn't true but eric driving his motorcycle man my harley is my life think about it love it uh sport you know right maybe you're our softball girls softballs go into uh did they win yesterday maybe go into state state hopefully but you know softball is my life or my kids right now are my life or my family's we were at a wedding lot celebrating a wedding yesterday evening and the One of the guys got up to give a toast that just got me, and he said, I want to give a toast to my reason. And he said, she's sitting right over here, and she gave birth to our kids. My wife is my reason. She's my life. And he said, here's to our reasons. And when you find your reason, may you chase it till you get it, and may you hold on to it forever. I'm like, cheers. Yes, love that. (laughs) Christ is our reason. He is our life. And when he appears, our reason will appear. This is the hope that fuels the transformation process. Now, with this truth in mind that Three action steps flow out of this. Three imperatives that God says, because this is true, I have been raised with Christ, live like this. And so what we'll do, I'll put this in a picture just to help us see it and pack it with us this week. But here's the truth that's to own us. I am raised with Christ. So as we do life down here on earth, Earth just went a little less than a, uh, a circle. <laughs> so, as we do life down here on Earth, we'll say, uh, draw in some continents. There we go. We get the idea. We are to uh, be fixed on this reality, be fixed on this truth. And the action step, the first one he gives us is set your heart. On things above. They're in verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. And so the, the focus on this one is our affections. He says these things above, just a broad term. But what he's saying is set your heart, set your affections, set Another way to say it is seek or long for the things that you want, your passions in life, let them be on things above, which does raise that question, what are these things above? And I, I don't know about you, but when I see that term, I see the white cloud. Not sure what that exactly that is. What are the things above? And the text helps us. He, he really shows us the throne room of, of our God, where he says where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Things above, ultimately, there's one treasure that we're to be looking at and that is our union with Christ and just to see him and and say what i'm longing for is to be with you lord i'm treasuring our relationship even in this moment i want to be like you and i want to serve you i want to live out this mission that you've given me or, or this to do the good that you've called me to do so when i wake up on monday what is it that i really want what's my passion what's my joy It's to experience this life I have with you, Lord, to know you better today, to uh, walk with you and, and to become a little more like you as you do your work in me. And I look to you and you change me, give me your love, patience, kindness, all those things, and that I get to go do good with you today. This text is calling us to lock in on our risen Lord, to see him seated at the right hand of the throne of God, and to live to become like him, to serve him, to enjoy this life with him. Do you remember as a kid when you had a a moment where there was something you were longing for? It was owning your heart's affection, and you just almost, you didn't even want to go to sleep. You you struggled to go to sleep because you couldn't wait for what was coming the next day. Do you have any moments coming to your mind? I, I always think about when our church family went to Kings Island, and oh, I mean, to a little kid and all up my buddies getting to go ride the red racer and the blue racer. And if you were a a real man, test a manhood, you'd ride the one that went backwards. And it's like, oh, man, you're getting so pumped to go prove your manhood and uh, ride that thing all day and then eat elephant ears. And I remember falling asleep and just like, oh, I wish I didn't have to go to sleep. And then at the first crack of of dawn or the first light, I was up probably much, much to my parents' chagrin. But just so pumped. Why? My heart was set on Cincinnati, and Kings Island. And here God is saying, okay, our life is hidden here. This is who we are, raised with Christ. Therefore, set your hearts. Let this be the thing that you want above all else, on things above. Second action step. There, there in verse 2 says, and set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So here we see the clear distinction between there are earthly things and there are things above. And our, we'll do the thought bubble to represent our mind. Our mind not only our heart's attention, but our mind's affection, or I mean our heart's affection, but our mind's attention is to be set on things above. It's to be, here God is calling us to be intentional about us, setting our attention on him. So as you think about how this would look in your life, I don't know about you, but I immediately think of a pie chart, and I think, okay, how how's this play out? I got my things that I think about. Got to think about work, got to think about family, got to think about Fun things, you know, and uh, so I need to carve out a portion of this, and this is where I think about things above, and I just need to sit down and focus on things above. Could be, but as I was thinking about this, I, I don't think this is the best picture of what God has in mind. I believe this is where we're to put our things above, and everything thought we have is to be colored by the sweet backdrop of our life, which is the things above. So that as I enjoy my family or, or think about my family, I'm thinking so in the context of eternity. As I enjoy the good things of life, right in the Harley, I'm, I'm thinking in the context of eternity. As I go to work, it's, work is not the primary thing. I'm enjoying this work. I'm doing it for His glory. But it's all in the context of the things above of Christ, honoring him in all that we do. And so he's saying, okay, think about what does it mean to love the Lord our God with all our mind? This is how we do that. And one of the, uh, you know, as we parent, I've, my dad would often say, John, please forgive me for how I parented you. And I'm like, dad, it, I think I'm okay. And he's like, no. Well, our son, Chad, second grade was so kind to put up with dad is I, I, I tend to be one of my passions is focus and especially in the academic world where and and so as, in second grade as he's going to school we're, we're talking about hey Chad on your homework um I, I got to give you a talk and it was the focus talk and it's like this is what you do with your brain okay did you know we're only using 10% of our brain 90% unused now I don't know if that's true but it's motivating isn't it and so like and here's the deal when, we, when we're born, we're, we're born ADD. And it's like your, your brain is a tree and there's a bunch of monkeys in it and they're all chirping. And we can't keep our minds on any thought. There's monkeys throwing at us. Just, we're all over the place. The purpose of school is to learn how to think and it's to learn how to focus your mind on one thought and not listen to any distractions. And so the goal is you get that one thought and you you know you can do it for about five seconds at first and then 10 seconds the day that you can you know push an hour or even you're thinking so focused that you forget to eat you're grooving and let me tell you what happens when you focus you you take a mud puddle out there you can do nothing with that you take water and you focus it you can light up a city through electricity las vegas that's how it happens And when you take light that comes from focused water and focus it, you can cut steel with focused light. What might happen if you focus your brain? You think. And then you go, oh, wow. (laughs) What's God call us to do? Guys, set your mind, your thoughts on things above. What might happen, church, if we are living locked in on this as our reality? We will become like Christ. That's how it happens. So, the uh, and quick side note on this, have you ever noticed the fact track to misery and anxiety is focusing on earthly things? And the minute we get our eyes down here and we start focusing only on earthly things, we get anxious and depressed and just, why? And it makes sense, Romans 8 has it in there, we're under the curse, all earthly things are fading away. So you pick your thing, family, it's fading, Uh, your job, it's going to go up and down and eventually it's gone, your health, you have good days. Bad days, hopefully more good than bad, but one day, it's all going to be bad. Sorry, depressing. Trying to get us to think up. (laughs) But it's true, right? Stuff, you get that new thing, the minute you get it, it starts getting old. You get property, now you have to take care of it. Jesus said it, don't store up your treasures down here where moth rust, store it up here where nothing will touch it. And, And ultimately, where uh where our life is so and and then we have joy peace and and purpose as we live out our life down here so the first action step is to fix our hearts on things above second fix our mind on things above but then third he says and now we actually get into the uh the life change piece where he says put to death verse five put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature So, say what is our earthly nature? And just to explain this, we this is anything, this is our old nature that wants the things of earth, wants our will versus God's will. It's we're no longer under the power of our sin nature, our earthly nature, but it still tempts us. But I hope you feel the hope in this. When God says put to death what belongs to our earthly nature, He's telling us we can kill it. (laughs) Right? Like we don't have to live under the dominion of sin, the addiction, whatever it is, we can kill this thing. So the image here is, anybody guess what this is? Shovel, handle, and this will give it away, six feet. That's a tomb. (laughs) And any time we see something of our earthly nature, we can kill it and bury it. That's to be our mindset. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. I don't think we can overemphasize the intensity God is calling us to deal with our sin here. We tend to sanitize death, but death, putting something to death brings with, with it a viciousness. We, we take all the life out of it. And there will be a struggle. Living things don't want to die. John Owen said, though, if if you should either, you be killing sin or sin will be killing you. The great lie we're tempted to buy is that we can tame our sin. Little sexual sin, little gluttony, little pride, little sloth, little gossip, it's okay. Little anger, it's okay. It's not bad, not as bad as the other guy, and it's okay to have a little around But the violence with which God calls us to deal with our sin screams the opposite. Don't tame it, kill it. James shouts the same. If we buy the lie that we can tame it, it will grow and eventually it will destroy us. This imperative brings to mind a moment when we were on a mission trip in Mexico and we were out in the countryside the desert, um, cleaning up a property for a ministry, and we happened—we had a bus full of high school students. We were all out there working. Well, one of them happened upon a rattlesnake snake nest, and so there's rattlesnakes going around, and our bus driver, who is a self-proclaimed tour guide to all things Mexicano, um, jumped into action. And he heard snake. He was like, this is my moment to shine. And he goes to killing these snakes, you know, killing these rattlesnakes. And he, he actually cut off the rattles and was giving them to our guys. They were loving that as a souvenir. So as we're getting ready to leave this site, here's this one rattlesnake laying there, and Jason Crowley comes up, and he goes, guys, take a picture of this, and he straddles this rattlesnake, he's dead, and as he's cheesing for the picture, that dead snake comes to life, and his head just goes up between his legs, and Jason's just smiling away. Youth pastor, I'm thinking, oh, help us, Lord, we're heading to the hospital. (laughs) We scream, Jason jumps, and uh, we kill that snake but i thought man what a great picture of our sin and, and god is just if we don't kill it it will kill us and uh so what exactly does he have in mind as uh and he fleshes this out he gives us two categories here of sin to put to death the first focus is on personal purity or sexual sexual sin the other focus is on interpersonal harmony which is uh, social, be the social sin, and as we read through these, the challenge would be if God brings one of these to mind. You see this in your your life as an area that we need to you need to kill. Just to determine today to take action and to kill this. And so we'll read through the, this text. He says, "Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, which is it's the word pornea, but any sexual sin outside the the uh, the provision of marriage." impurity, lust, evil desires, any desire that's leading us from God and where we have boxed God out of that desire, and greed. A better translation for greed is covetousness. In this context, it's that idea of very possibly wanting um, another person's spouse, something that's not ours, or it is a desire, sexual desire, that just once keeps wanting and and not a not looking at the best interest of the other person, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And here the Lord is just reminding us that we've been raised with Christ, delivered from the wrath of God. And this old nature, this old way we used to walk, we were under his wrath because of these things. So it's inconsistent that we would continue on in these things I think about our own culture right now and, you know, it's, um, this is the moral law of the universe or moral order of the universe, how God wired us. Sexuality is a beautiful gift he gave us to enjoy in the context of marriage and it's precious, it's beautiful, it's to inspire worship, but when outside God's design, it's a fire that will destroy us and um, we will put ourselves under the judgment, similar to, we the sun is going to rise tomorrow, and I can say all I want. The sun's not going to rise tomorrow, and I'm going to go out and lay in the sun, and it won't burn me. I can say that, but when I go out tomorrow, the sun's coming up, and if I haven't taken provision, I will be burned. And so it is with these sins. The, uh, and then he goes on. He says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must, no long, you must also rid yourselves of all such as these. And here come the social... Sins anger, which is the, the idea of is a slow burn, just this uh, simmering anger rage, which is the blow up. Malice, which is an evil mind, or a mind uh, that is just uh, thinking the worst of other people and hoping the worst for other people. Love hopes the best, but this is where we, as we see one another, we assume the worst and we delight in another person's demise or failures. Slander is destroying a person's reputation with our talk, and filthy language, which a better translation is abusive language, language that tears people down rather than builds people up. And then he says, do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in, the knowledge, in knowledge in the image of its creator. Beautiful picture of what's happening. Like he says this might, he doesn't say this might be happening, this is happening. We are being renewed through knowledge into the image of Christ or the Lord. And you say, why should we not lie? And by the way, as parents, one of the questions are, what are the hills we're going to die on as we raise our kids? And just know from scripture, this is one of those hills that you die on. There's not a lot of them. Make your bed, don't make your bed, whatever. It's not worth dying on that but deceit is a hill we die on and the father too with us as he raises us up as, as his kids he's serious about that do not lie why well one our God does not lie Jesus the fa- the, the uh, devil is the father of lies Jesus is the truth and we're becoming like him but two what's the foundation of every relationship it's trust when trust is broken the relationship is broken and and uh, the call of God is to bring us into relationship with, with himself and with one another. And so it's so important that we, there's lying going on, that I, that I eliminate that from my life. And then he says, and this is, he says, okay, we're being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator, but this renewal is playing out in a new community. And here we go, verse 11 says, here, there is no Jew, Gentile or Jew, no Greek or Jew, so the nationality barriers that we have, there's no circumcised or uncircumcised. This is the religious barriers that we raise up, that divide us. There's no uh, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. So these are the socioeconomic or the class barriers that come between us. Uh, a barbarian was a, the Greeks were the aristica- aristocrats in this church a barbarian was somebody who didn't speak Greek, a non-Greek. And so the lower class, a Scythian was a, the lowest of the Greeks. They were like no table manners, violence, uncivilized. And then a slave did not even have rights. They were just like a, a human tool in this culture. He's saying, here in this new community, we are, he ends it, for, but Christ is all and is in all. As we look at one another, as we interact with one another, we don't see nationality. We don't see socioeconomic differences. Paul will add in another letter that we don't see male, female. We do, but, and that brings another discussion. Our distinctions okay? And yes, we, we celebrate our ethnicity and our, we celebrate our, our differences, but they don't divide us. Um, rather, we are united in Christ. And so, bringing this all together, the good news that we celebrate today, if if you're a follower of Jesus, is that God's intention is to transform you to be more like Christ. You say, how does this happen? And it happens by fixing our eyes on this beautiful reality, on our Lord, our risen Lord. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. and, And where He is and where we are with Him, raised with Christ. And then it's out of that truth that we... Set our hearts on things above, we set our mind on things above, and we put to death the earthly things during 2020 did anyone else have the thought uh, are we in the end times during that that year like i 'm getting some end time vibes right now. are these the end times I, that thought came to my mind often and so I, I kept thinking about our end time clarity message series we did a couple years ago when our focus was living with hope. And and there were five core tr- realities that we've got to hold on to as we uh, prepare for the coming of Christ. And as I was thinking about those five, do you remember them? Anybody else remember the five core realities? We must, I mean, guys, we cannot forget these. And well, me neither. I couldn't remember. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I preached these. So no worries. I went back and I found them. And the first one is, the, uh, Jesus is coming, live ready. Live with hope, purity of heart, but also hope in his coming. And the reality is, nothing else needs to happen on the prophetic timeline of, in Scripture for the coming of Christ. His coming is Im- imminent, maybe today. Second, why the wait? What, why 2,000 years? They were asking, first century, why the wait? Second, Peter. It's not that God is slow. He is merciful and giving us time to repent. So we're to be about the mission. Third, no one knows the day or the hour of our Lord's coming. Jesus was clear on that. But we should recognize the season. So keep watch. When you see it getting green, coming's coming, and we will know that. Fourth, God has given us everything we need to thrive in the end times. So we don't need to be afraid. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5 just fill us with that hope and encouragement. But here's the one that I, and why I'm sharing this with you now. The fifth one is this. Our king is coming, and he was clear. When I'm coming, I'm bringing something with me. Do you remember what he said? He said, I'm bringing my reward. And this week, it just convicted me. I haven't been locked in on the reward that my king's bringing. <laughs> Can you imagine what the one who gave his life for us, lives for us, what he has prepared for us? And that one day, these things above, and maybe today, will be reality. And so, thought about it. In that moment, the reward, we will be with him, we will be like him, and we will receive all that he has prepared for us. The new heaven and the new earth, shimmering with a kaleidoscope of color that our eyes have yet to see. A beauty so wonderful, I'm sure, at first glance, it will silence every song on earth and then set every soul to singing. A universal intimacy, his love, beating pure in every soul, one family, united to praise Him, to worship Him, to love each other. Adventure exceeding the imagination of a thousand childhoods for all eternity. We will be with Him. He will be with us, wiping away every tear the old order of things gone, all things made new. It's coming, and maybe today. Amen. May God give us the grace to fix our eyes on him, on Christ, our heart's affection, mind's attention, and then put to death anything that is not like Christ. Do you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Thank you for this glimpse of of your throne room. Jesus, just helping us redirect our eyes to you. Thank you for the grace, Lord, that you have poured out on us to be loved with a love that's infinite, that's eternal, to uh, to know that our life is hidden with you and, and then to be given all that we need to live a life that's pleasing to you as we do life here. Thank you for the chance to To do this together as a faith family, Lord, and pray that we would just be an encouragement to each other as we go, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.